the stars at night are big and bright. Deep in the heart of hockey. Hi, I'm Carolyn. And I'm Marin. And this is Deep in the Heart of Hockey, a podcast about the Dallas Stars, fancy stats, and teenage vampire romances. I honestly don't know why we're still lying to people that this is about hockey or fancy stats. <laughs> because yes. I haven't written a different intro and we still have the same theme song. And maybe at some point we will watch hockey again. Maybe, maybe. I, th- I really feel like we should maybe branch off and with a new podcast name and everything. But you know what? Whatever. It's fine. At this, you know, we'll figure it out. We will figure it out. We'll come to a consensus. At this point in time, we have not done either of these things because we just haven't talked about it. <laughs> no, we haven't. It's fine. It's honestly, it's so fine. So we are here to talk to you today about the next movie in the uh, Twilight Saga. You betrayed as me. On, as voted on by our loyal listeners who understood Betraitors. that we start a thing and we finish a thing and that's how things go. Traitors. Listen. All y'all. Listen. I don't understand why they're traitors when they simply told us what they wanted to hear us talk about. <sighs> Oh, God. It's fine. Listen, you've got to watch all five movies or you will never know the true depths that this franchise can sink to. (laughs) Anyway, it is September 12th of 2021. Not when you're listening to this, but today Yeah, we're recording. Today it is. And uh, this is our 132nd podcast. Our second podcast solely about Twilight romance movies. Yep. And uh, <clears throat> today we're going to be diving into Twilight New Moon. Yes. Yes, we are. So like we did last time, we are going to pick out three things that we enjoyed for a relative term of enjoyment. And three things that were big red flags. I don't know if I can pick. I, I don't know if I can do this. I'm I'm, contr- I'm gonna try real hard, but I don't know. But I would like to go first if I could. You can go first. Please tell us which thing you're talking about. Okay, so I'm going to start off with something I liked because I want to claim it before you take it from me, just okay. in case you were planning on taking it from me. Uh, and that is the depiction of depression in this movie. Oh, I was not going to take that from you, but I thought I actually did not enjoy that. So I am curious about your thoughts. I, I, everybody's experience of depression is a little bit different because we are all special snowflakes and we have different experiences with everything. Correct. And uh, my first and last bout with depression as an adult was this past fall when I was trapped by myself in my condo during quarantine. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> I really, I mean, I didn't love it in the books because in the books, literally, I will have to show you a page in the book at some point in time. But like those four months like that go by like September, October, November, December, whatever. Um, In the book, it's literally just like the chapter and then the name of the month and a blank page and then it goes on and it was so late like even when I was reading it back in the like early aughts when it came out I was like or late aughts when it came out I was like this is lame but 
like the way that they showed it in the movie where she just sits there and she doesn't move and she's not interested in doing anything like that is so it was so familiar to me as a as a state that I have been in and that I am familiar with and I just thought that like for me that that really translated well in the movie better than in the book in the book it's a a fucking wild mess but okay yes okay I will agree with you on that actually okay and then and we had talked about the blank page thing last time so when it started happening I was like ooh, the blank pages hey, this, <laughs> this is what she was talking about I believe I know pages. now I do I do agree with you because my depression actually pretty much acts like that too it's very much uh uh what do you call it anhedonia or whatever you call it mm-hmm. I don't know how to pronounce it but you can't, I can't enjoy things, right? Like, I don't find right. pleasure in anything. So it makes it wildly unmotivating to do anything. <laughs> right. So um, I, I, I don't know if this is what you're, where you thought I was going, but I was definitely not going into, like, the death-defying stunts to make your boyfriend's voice appear in your head. That was not it. No. Um, that, I was more going to the fact that, like, she voluntarily chooses to, like, And it isn't, like, it's that her entire fucking life revolves around being sad about this guy. Oh, oh. That part, I was really, like. 100%. I get it, you're 18. It's a very teenage way to be. Although, okay, so I I go back and forth on that. Because I I, I am 40 years old, right? I turned 40 this summer. I do not have very firm memories of what it was like to be a teenager. It is too far removed from me now. Mm-hmm. But I have enough to know that everything, I remember the feeling that anything that happened back then was going to be that way forever. Nothing would ever change. Right. And so I, like, I kind of, like, can get into that mindset of, like, you know, I love this person. They've left me. And therefore... Nothing will ever be okay again. I will never fall in love with anybody else again. And I'm honestly, like, <laughs> I almost want the AU story where we find out what Bella could have been like if Edward actually never did come back. Yeah. But at the same time, I also think that that is a, you know, 30s, 40s-year-old woman, Stephanie Meyer, she's writing this book, idea of how a teenager would react and not yeah. necessarily how a teenager actually would react. Because so, I like, also, like, while I agree with, like, that whole idea of, like, you will, you get madder about everything, you get sadder yes. about everything. Your, your emotions are just so much more volatile. Exactly. I also, I dated, like, I was so fucking in love with this guy at 16. So fucking in love with him. And then we dated for, like, three months once I moved out to college. And, because he was in Kansas. And he was bipolar, and I was an 18-year-old who didn't know how to fucking deal with that. So we broke up very quickly after. But, like, I don't... And I was sad about it. <laughs> but, like... And, granted, I was the one who did the breaking up because I couldn't handle his bipolarness. But, like, I was so fucking in love with this guy. But then I also realized we weren't good together. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, there, like... I was 18 and I was super fucking sad about it. And I definitely had a week where I just sat in my bedroom and listened to depressing music. But I also had friends and Bella has fucking friends and like they would come and get me and stuff like that. And I wouldn't just like sit off to the side in the cafeteria, even if I was being a sad sack. 
I will say in the book, I don't believe she does that because okay. she talks about still being at the at the lunch table with her friends, even in the midst of this depression. Okay. So that it was part like, felt really weird to me. That that was that was way over the top. That part. Um so I, I mean the reason for her depression is kind of a red flag for me in the in the sense that like I, I know there are people out there that make other people their entire personality and their entire lives. And so when you take that away, it's kind of like they scramble and they're like, who am I? Mm-hmm. But um, that is always going to be a red flag for me. So let's just segue into my first red flag. Then, is <laughs> yes, that like we? the reason for for her depression and like kind of what I liked about Charlie being finally being like, you need to go to Jacksonville and be with your mom to kind of snap her out of it was like. Mm-hmm. And again, in the book, that actually came a lot earlier. In the movie, it came like four months into her depressive state. In the book, it was like a week into her depressive state that he tried to get her to go to Jacksonville. Um, And she actually like flipped her fucking gourd and refused to go. Um. So I don't really rightly recall... Uh, now I don't remember, now I, now I don't remember exactly what kind of precipitated the, I'm going to go to the movies with, um, Jessica, I'm going to go back. Oh, I know, I know. Cause I, I. No, I know in the book, in the movie. Oh, I don't, I don't know. I can't remember in the book. It doesn't matter, but it doesn't really matter either way in the book that, that conversation happened and he was like packing a bag for her to go to Jacksonville and she was like, absolutely not. I'm not going, you know flipped out and refused but and that was like the first kind of emotional reaction he'd seen from her in in that whole time and then she started crying and she wouldn't stop crying for four months so anyway the reason for her depression total red flag if your friends do this this is this is this is an this is unhinged behavior absolutely and and you really need to really need to look into getting that person some help yeah uh that casually segs into my one of my two well, my second thing I liked about this movie, see, chronologically, uh, but I was team fucking Charlie. Yeah. Team fucking Charlie again. And then literally I wrote, team fucking Charlie, you are the best. You better fucking go shopping with Jessica. Yeah. <laughs> and then I also actually, once again, Jessica stole the fucking show. Don't I be so mean, pleased at your self-referential cleverness. Like, she is so great. She is I, so great. I mean, she got she got hired on that first one before she was who she is. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they were able to keep her in these bit parts all the way through is kind of amazing, honestly. Like she probably loved Jessica. I mean, who wouldn't? Jessica was fantastic. Yeah. But again, I think this it's another I don't know, point in the favor of why the fuck is Bella like so concerned about all of this? supernatural shit because they're treating her like shit and the people that she's close to that are human are great <laughs> like <laughs> some of them i mean mike is mike continues to be creepy the whole time yeah he's the blonde guy right yeah the one that goes with them to the movies yeah i mean he's creepy but in a normal teenage boy way where he like clearly has a crush on her like yeah true but like it i just thought the part that really kind of was like, dude, read the room, was um, when she finally came back to sit with them at the table, and he's immediately like, "So, yeah, you go, go to the out? movies." Yeah, he's he's definitely skeevy. 
Yeah. I, I don't love Mike, but like everybody else is cool. Yeah. Uh, my first red flag is very related to your first red flag. Okay. Uh, which is Edward. <laughs> oh my god, I know. So but, he was he was also one of my red flags. But in general, very very that's a, a general red flag. Very specifically, Edward being envious of Romeo's suicide. Yeah. 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 That's a red fucking flag, my dude. Yeah. I mean, yeah. 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 Yes. 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 Okay. I didn't actually get to the end of the movie just now because I was, my sister called. She just got a new puppy and she wanted to talk to me about it. Um, well, we trying- to be fair, that's way more entertaining than I mean, this seriously, fucking movie. <laughs> absolutely. No, and I was trying to help her come up with names. So they, you know, they lived in England for a while. So they were trying to come up with, like, a name that kind of tied to their time in, in England and all this kind of stuff. And they just couldn't come up with anything good. And then they were trying to come up with, like, places they've traveled to. But you can't name a puppy Reykjavik, you know? Like, it's just weird. So... I was looking at where I know she's from in England, or, like, not from, but where she lived. And I was like, so she lived in the Fulham area. And I was like, why don't you call him Fully for Fulham? And she was like, shit, that's a really great name. So I may have just named their puppy Fully, and I'm pretty pretty excited about it. But anyway, (laughs) my question for you is, do they do, after the whole thing is over, like, at the very kind of end of the movie, do they do the thing where they're voting on whether or not she becomes part of the Cullens. Yeah. Yeah, they do. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. It's, it's weird because then weird. that whole thing with like, you know, Edward has chosen to not live without you. And it just seems like, yeah, everybody is kind of like, yep, yeah, okay, that's a thing that's going to happen. So we need to keep you alive because we want to keep Edward alive. Like nobody is sitting there going, hmm, this is like, this is not cool I guess but at the same time at the same time vampires are notoriously difficult to kill and he's already 109 years old so shouldn't you also get to choose when to go out with dignity I am all for physician assisted suicide but like they don't have it as a vampire so I'm also kind of like well if he's ready to go he's ready to go like I don't know yeah my I guess my issue really wasn't so much about like that it's why yeah, it's the dying because I think you're dead. Right. <laughs> you so know, like, and like, my... was, they started, they started the movie with that. Yeah. Like, they, yes. We, we got like heavy handed metaphor out the fucking gate. Check when she like wakes up. Yeah. yeah. Like, when she wakes up next to the book. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and then they start with, yeah. Well, that is like the worst in the fucking book, too, because like, she spends a lot of time in her own fucking mind, which is like one of the th- reasons why in the book they had her narrate all these letters to Alice, which is not something from the book. It's just like the only way that they could get her to get all these like ideas across because she wasn't fucking talking to anybody about them. Right. Um. So uh, one of the things that she keeps thinking about is her life in relation to Romeo and Juliet. She's oh, no. Juliet. Edward is Romeo um, you know, maybe someday he'll meet a Rosalind and he'll, you know, be happy, but she's fine as long as he's alive and happy. And, you know, maybe she should just uh settle for Paris because it's what's expected of her by her dad and his family. And like 
she could be happy enough and isn't that fine and you get all this all this bullshit and I was just like this is really like one of the more depressing things I've ever heard. <laughs> like good god good god dude don't you think that like if you love Jacob so much as a friend don't you think that he deserves better than somebody who's like well I will never love you as much as I love this other guy but you love me and that's okay with me yeah like that's just shitty yeah anyway that was another red flag was how much she strung Jacob along knowing how he felt about her while she used him to like get her all of those thrills that let her see this boyfriend that she couldn't have yeah cause like she kept calling him her best friend and I was like friends don't treat people the way that you're treating him like you are treating him like an asshole like you you are using everybody in your life to feel a, a, something about this one dude that you can't have. Yeah, and I think, so, like, I was a little bit of two minds about it. Like, I don't think initially she was trying to string him along, right? I do think... She showed up at his house with motorcycles so that he could put them together so that she could ride them and see yeah. Edward's face. No, 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 I know that. I don't think she realized how much he cared about her until after that. Oh, that's not, nope, that's not a thing in the book. She's very aware the whole time. <laughs> oh, okay. So, so maybe you, so maybe they were trying to make her less of an asshole in the movie, but in the book, she was very aware that he had a crush on her. Okay. But, and, but my thing in the movie is like, I was really like, she kept, this is where I landed on like, that she did end up stringing him along, is that like, she kept having these conversations about boundaries like, they had a good conversation while they were at the movies mm -hmm. about how she didn't feel about him the same way. Mm -hmm. And then she kept letting him, like, try to kiss her yep. and leaning into that. And I'm like, no, you can't set a boundary and keep stepping over it and then not expect a different reaction. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yep. if these are your boundaries, then you've got to keep them. Yes. And you've got to keep it as a boundary. Because yes. otherwise, it's not a fucking boundary. No, that's true. Like, you're clearly okay with it being different. <sighs> yeah. Before we get too chronologically far away from it. Yes. I would like to say that one of my things I liked in this movie was Carlisle. Like, I was really weird about Carlisle. Weir weirded out, I should say, by Carlisle in the first movie. Okay. But I thought he was nice and sympathetic, and I liked the conversation that he and Bella had after her birthday party. Yes. <laughs> Which, okay, yeah, you, yeah, me too. If you haven't seen the TikTok that Marin posted this morning, <laughs> I'll, I'll make sure it gets on the Deep Heart Hockey account, too. Uh, oh my god, I laughed so hard at that TikTok. It oh. was pretty funny and pretty spot on to that scene. But I thought Carlisle was, a really, was really good and sympathetic, and actually did have that father figure kind of energy in this movie. Yeah. And it was only slightly ruined for me by the starting of the whole soul discussion. <laughs> I know. I know. It's weird. <laughs> like vampires. And like, I get that Stephanie Meyer is like some weird Christian or something she's, like that. She's Mormon. She's Mormon. Yeah. Like I said. And, um... That really came through. 
Yeah, it does. In this movie. I mean, even even more in later installments that I will not oh, spoil God. for you. It gets worse. But, like, oh, no. it's it's weird. It's weird. It's weird. Right? It's strange. It's like, um, it's like you can't tell me that these people don't have souls. I also, it was really, like, When they they're don't... clearly t- trying really hard to be... Good people? Good people. I know. I know. It's it's strange. Well, I guess it depends on what you believe about souls. But, like... Right. Like, I get, you know. I, get I think me not being... A Christian, specifically a weird Christian. I don't know. Well, I mean, uh, if you've re- if you've read the uh, Anne Rice vampire books, like they talk a lot about being damned in those. So, like, yeah, it's not like it's an, an entirely new concept to no. the vampire lore, but it it just it it added an extra level of weird in this. Um, I also was really struck as I was reading this book again. About, like, how hard Stephanie Myers goes into, like, their bodies are, like, cold concrete. Like, and I, I, it's not something that really translates as much on the in the movies. Like, they just don't really talk about, like, but, like, she's very, very, like, it's like cuddling a stone is the way that she describes it all the fucking time. And I'm like... Did you really, like, did you think that through at all? Or, like, I mean, <laughs> you have to have, because she mentions it on every other fucking page when they're on the, when they're on, when they're on screen. Like, obviously, for the most of this, she was talking about Jacob, so, like, it yeah. wasn't as obvious. But, like, in the, in the end of the, so towards the end of the movie, when Alice comes to the house, and I, I'm jumping ahead here, but, like. That's okay. In, the rest of my stuff is at the end. In the book, like, Bella hugs her, and then Alice, like, she kind of, Bella, like, goes kind of catatonic because it's a Cullen in her house again, and oh my god, she's so excited. Um, And Alice basically, like, lets her sit on her lap and cuddle her, and I just thought that was a little strange. But, like, she she talks the whole time about how it's like cuddling with a statue that conforms itself to your body. And it's like, does that sound like comfortable to you like it's a cold it's a cold stone stats like i mean in the summer sexy maybe. times i mean like it's just weird like it was just weird and it's so strange how she just like she has gone so hard into that and i'm like i like explain to me the physiology of that right <laughs> like i understand that vampires are being kept alive by some magical force but it just doesn't make sense to me that, like, they go from being a fleshy, like, spongy human to all of a sudden being, like, a fucking rock just because they died. Like, <laughs> explain this to me. Like, either they're an entirely new creation and they're these movable stones or they're people who are suddenly, you know, need to drink blood to survive. Like, what? I don't. What? Why? Why? What's the point? Magic. But it's not even magic that makes sense. Wait, why? Why? Does magic <laughs> need to make sense? Yes, I do need. I do need something to make sense about this. <laughs> also, where does the mass on the werewolf come from? They're normal sized people, but when they become werewolves, they're like four times the size that they are in real life. This so is like, fantasy. This is not science fiction. You don't get answers for these things. I. I'm so mad about it. I like I've been mad about the size of the werewolves this whole time. By the way, um, 
I don't feel like we can skip over talking about like racism and these and the portrayal of Ooh. this native culture that Ooh. Stephanie Meyer completely appropriated. Uh, I even wrote down like because there's like the whole thing where Jacob gives her the dreamcatcher for her birthday. <laughs> like I wrote down in my notes, um, that feels racist. But I also couldn't find anywhere online that talked about whether or not the Quayute tribe, like, is Does one of the tribes catchers? that deals with dreamcatchers. Yeah. Um, so, like, I'm I kind of, I'm not, like, whatever, it's fine. I'm not, it's not fine. It's weird. But, like, also, I don't know if anybody knows this, um, but when Taylor Lautner was hired, they did not know whether or not he had any Native American heritage. Um, they just hired him because he looked Native. Mm. Um, sort of. And then it came out when he was actually doing press for the, the second movie, I think, that his mother had told him that she does have ties to some tribes. And I did a little quick and dirty research this afternoon, and um, there are many people who are not okay with that. Like, that's not, they're like, that's not Native representation. If he has no ties to these tribes, if they're not claiming him and he is not raised in those traditions, he doesn't then get to, like, call himself a Native American actor, you know? So, right, yeah. Uh, it's it's weird. Um, so that there's that. <laughs> the other people in the movie are portrayed by actual Native American actors, obviously. Some, uh, like, Graham Greene, for instance, is a very famous Native American actor. But um, it's, it's weird. It's weird. It's weird. It's weird. Mm-hmm. It's weird. Also, the fact that, like, Stephanie Meyer took this actual tribe... And made them werewolves, which is not part of their lore. And uh, then allowed all of these white vampires <laughs> to call them dogs and talk about how much they stink. Yeah. Like, that was, that's hella uncomfortable. <laughs> like, yeah. why would, why would you do, it's like making all of the goblins Jewish. Like, it's just weird. It's wrong. Don't do that. Um, so there's that. Um, yeah. You don't meet her in this book, in this movie, but in the book you meet Leah Clearwater, who you will meet in the next movie. Uh, And, like, when Bella meets her, she thinks of her as being an exotic beauty, which I'm like, oh, man, you even pulled out the exotic description. Like, Oh, man. What are we doing here? What are we doing here? (laughs) So, um, yeah. But it's, it's also... I went to see these movies when I was living in Oklahoma with my Native American friend who was like just really excited to actually have any Native American representation in a hit movie series like Twilight. So, um, I, you know, I, I know that everybody is going to have, every Native American is going to have their own opinion about whether or not they're cool with Twilight. Um, but she, was somebody who was and obviously I've now read a lot of people who weren't so you know kind of make your own decisions it's something that I think white people in general should tread lightly on yes because I think I think it's not it's a, a dust to make the decisions on whether or not it should be insulting or not so no I but I think it's one of the a good example of why more representation is good yeah <laughs> as a rule just so that you have a bunch of different kinds of representation and then you can not you, but like then native right. people can have be point to things and be like, "This is the one I like," you know what right. I mean? Right. Rather than having to accept 
Twilight. This one. <laughs> because this is the what we have. <laughs> this is what we have, and it's terrible. Also, somebody else brought up the idea that, like, it's not like they're a genetic family. It's just that Carlisle only chose white people to, to change yeah. over. Like, I did like, notice that. Because, like, I mean, he found, he found Edward in the Spanish influenza, and you're telling me in 1909 there weren't other people that were dying of this as well? You know, I, it like, does it does boggle the mind a little bit that 1901 he, I can't remember when he died whatever it doesn't matter you were correct and I, yeah uh it doesn't matter but like it does boggle the mind a little bit that like he's picking and choosing who he turns into a vampire <laughs> as like yeah a doctor yeah yes yes it's a little strange and that like I said they're all white well, yeah, that All part's a little bit more easily explainable, which is that he's probably kind of racist. So, I mean, like, but very also, colonial. He's a doctor. Like, what if, if he was a doctor to start? Which I think he was, right? Like, he was a doctor. As a, yeah, that's how he, we met. That's how he met Edward. No, but like before he was a vampire. Oh, um, I honestly don't remember. I have no probably. Idea. At some point, but he, he was a doctor. he's really old, so I don't know if they even had what would have been called doctors. doctors. But he did go to medical school. Hang like on. he has gone to medical school. He's a sworn. He took. He had no. He has sworn. He has sworn a Hippocratic oath at least once in his life. Yes, a minimum of one. Time. Okay, he was a. <laughs> okay, so he was born in the 1640s. Right? It Somewhere in there? had doctors then, yes. He was the son of an Anglican priest in London, England. His father and other pastors hunted witches, werewolves, and vampires. Following his father, he discovered a coven of vampires. After an ancient vampire attacked him, he fled and silently endured the transformation. So he was not a doctor when he died. He was working okay. with his dad as a vampire hunter. Regardless, he took the Hippocratic Oath. What did you then feel compelled to try and turn everyone. Not if he believes that he's damning them by stealing their souls. Then why would you turn anyone? Uh, so, I don't know. Again, I don't know how much this is discussed in the movies, because I can't remember right now. But in the books, um, he only turned people who asked. Hmm. So he met Esme because she was trying to kill herself. Mm. Um, you know, it is possible this was discussed during the movies. I definitely tune in and out because they're so dumb. I don't think that they talked about Esme's uh, trying to kill herself because I just read this on the Wikipedia article about Carlisle and I did not remember that detail. So I think okay. that that's something that's in the books and not in the movies. Mm -hmm. um, but um, you're going you're gonna to find out more about at least the kids um and when i say kids i mean not yeah, carlisle and esme um like the second generation of vampires you're gonna find out more about their backstories in the next couple of movies so i don't really want to i want i want you to feel the full horror of some of these um <laughs> without me spoiling them but i did already talk about rosalie's on um twitter so you probably i didn't actually that. catch that I... never mind then i'm gonna not say anything don't so, say anything rosalie's is I... actually so fucking cool well, and I, I, this is not one of the, the things that I highlighted, but I actually did like in that voting sequence that she finally, she was the only person with a fucking personality. Yeah. Like, like, well, and she's, I mean, like, she's this, like, they, 
they kind of inject her personality every now and then um, in in these things where it's like they try very hard to give her one line that kind of gives off like this is what Rosalie's all about. But mm-hmm. like she very much in the books is not happy being a vampire. The only reason that she sticks around is because she fell in love with Emmett. But like she actually actively hates being a vampire. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the reasons why she voted. Like I, I can't. That's she voted. Why she no. voted yeah, she, that's why she, she voted against it. Yeah, she was like, I wish somebody had been there to cast me <coughs> vote or vote no for me. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. damn, girl, I like yeah. it. I like it. Yeah. Thank you for being an actual voice of reason here. I like, do love Rosalie a lot. Um, she gets weird in the fourth book, but I do like her for various reasons I won't go into. But I do like Rosalie a lot, and I do like Alice a lot. Those are my two favorites of all of the people in these books. Oh, and Charlie, of course. Um. My other third thing that I actually like liked that I highlighted here is I actually thought it was kind of interesting how the vampire, not the vampire, the werewolf lore wasn't that we are born or bitten werewolves, but we turn into werewolves as a genetic response to vampires being nearby. I I did find that interesting in the way that she put together that lore still kind of iffy on it being tied to native American lore, but like I do, I do think the having a monster in response to a different monster is interesting. Yes. That's it's a different take on uh, werewolf lore. And I did appreciate that, even though that could have been like a really fucking interesting thing, more interesting if she had not tied this whole native American lore right like mm-hmm. just suddenly people in the town start turning into werewolves you know what yeah, I mean yeah. like that would have been really fucking cool mm-hmm. <laughs> rather than trying to I don't know culturally appropriate some shit like right. yeah. some interesting choices were made and then they were offset by much worse choices <laughs> yeah 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 that's <sighs> definitely a thing that's definitely a thing. My other red flag is um, the... I still have two red flags. <laughs> I I think I've talked about a lot of red flags. I don't really think I've talked about a lot of things I like because I think the, the thing that I liked really... I mean, you keep saying things that I agree with, so I haven't really come up with a new red thing that I liked, but whatever. <laughs> another red flag for me, let's just say another... I've lost count of how many red flags I've brought up at this point. Another red flag for me is the violence against women under the context of I care so much about you and there is nowhere that that is more horrifying than in the relationship between Sam and shit on crackers I forgot her name Emily I think Emily Sam and Emily yeah um because they kind of i feel like they gloss over it they real hard gloss over the fuck they fucking gloss the fuck over that yeah and i also don't really feel like they i don't i don't think that they really kind of go into the idea of werewolves mating do not okay so i won't go i won't touch on that too much because there's a whole level of horror that's going to come with that later but (laughs) basically (laughs) sam and emily are mates right like they Nine like levels of twilight hell this the, the i mean i i'm i'm gonna feel pretty confident saying that the werewolf mating is gonna be eight or ninth level like 
it, especially in the fourth book or the fifth movie, like you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna feel some things, and they're not gonna mm. be pleasant. Um, <laughs> that's why I we can't even vote on this. We have to keep. Now that we've watched the second one, we have to keep going in the series <laughs> because I need you to. I need you to experience the full level of all of this. But anyway, so the idea that like you've now got these. And this is another part of the whole, like, making the werewolves native that is kind of awful because you've got these, like, and I'm using this word because of the nature of what she's portraying, savage people that, like, are emotionally volatile and, you know, hurt people they love around them because of how emotionally volatile they are, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and it's people that, like, have to forgive them because they're in love with them. And then you see that all the time with with Bella jumping in between Jacob and um, Mike at the movie theater, with Bella jumping mm-hmm. in between Edward and Jacob, and all, like between Ed, uh, Jacob and Alice when Alice comes back. It's just mm-hmm. all of these times that, that Bella basically has to throw herself in harm's way, hoping that she won't get hurt when we've got a perfect example of like, that's not always something that you can count on. Yeah. Edward hurts her in the first fucking scene of the movie accidentally. But like, that's still exactly what you could say about Sam and Emily. Like he didn't mean to hurt her, but he did. Yep. So like the, the whole, this whole like violence against women thing under the guise of, I love you so much. I need to protect you. Like, I wrote down in my notes as I was watching this movie, for all you young heartbreakers out there, if somebody tells you that they're too dangerous to be around, you need to trust that. Yeah. And you need to not be around them. Because, like, fucking Jacob tells her multiple times he's too dangerous to be around, and she keeps being like, no, you're my best friend, I need to be around you. No, you don't. (laughs) No, you really don't. You don't. You have other friends. Go hang out with them instead. Right? This brings us right back to like the very beginning of the podcast where she's surrounded with some cool people. Yeah. She chooses to ignore them. Completely ignore them. (laughs) Yep. Uh, My next red flag is Jacob-centric, so I feel like this is a good one. And it's basically a a follow-on for this. Of Jacob answering the phone, hanging up, like, answering the phone call in not his house. Yeah. Talking to Edward, not telling Bella that Edward was on the line, and then hanging up, and then getting pissed at Bella for going to try and save Edward from killing himself. Yep. Like... Putting his hand on the ignition and trying to get Alice to stop driving the car. Like, are you fucking kidding me, sir? Like, do not get me wrong. I fucking hate Edward. I think Edward's a shit. But morally, it is the right thing to do to go save his ass. Yeah. Yes. I don't like Edward either, but, like, I also don't like Jacob for very, very many reasons. So, like... In the whole Team Edward versus Team Jacob thing, I'm Team Nobody. She should run off with Jessica. Like, Yeah, like, Jessica's the only dateable person in this fucking movie. Yeah. Jessica's a delight. Jessica is a delight. And she tells it like it is. And she doesn't take shit from anybody. And I love that about her. Absolutely. 
Bella should just date Jessica. This is the obvious, obvious answer. Yes. I skipped over it, and this isn't technically one of my red flags because I have another red flag. But can we just talk about, like, I was almost on board with Jacob up until kind of the end, end where he starts going really off the deep end. And what really had endeared him to me at the beginning was him calling Bella out for her being so fucking obsessed with how old she was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and like, as I, I kind of enjoyed Bella last movie. I thought she didn't deserve the panning that she got. This movie, she's in fucking sufferable. She's inseparable, but I mean, and like this is this is so much more obvious in the movie in the books too. But like Jacob is also inseparable pretty much the whole way through. Oh no! See, I, I he's more inseparable my... around the the Cullens, but he is inseparable the whole way through. Uh, see, in the movie, I felt I was pretty okay with Jacob. Like I wasn't, I was never actually on board with him as like a love interest because they had no fucking chemistry, zero mm-hmm. chemistry. Mm-hmm. Like, one thing that carried over from the first movie is, like, at least Edward and and Bella had good kisses. Jacob and Bella had no chemistry (laughs) for me. And uh, so I was like, all right, even if we're grading this just on, like, a pure fantasy romance scale, this, this doesn't do it for me. Yeah. But I was okay with him as a character until, really, he started crossing some of those lines. Um, and that was a really fucking big line. Like, like once he went off at Mike in the movie theater, I was off, off the train at entirely. And then he did that whole thing with, with Edward. And I was like, uh, this is bad. This yeah. is fucking bad. Um, I also want to go back and address the names of the movies that they talk about going to see. I liked that. <laughs> so there, there's the romance comedy called Love Spelled Backwards is Love, which is, like, a fantastic name for something. Yeah. And then they went to go see Face Punch. And, like, I was watching I was watching a video about, um, like, you know, problems with New Moon just because I wanted to get some, not material to talk about, because all of these problems I'm talking about are my problems with them. But I just wanted to, like, see what other people are saying. Uh-huh. And uh, they were talking about <laughs> how... Um, like, you know, times when it's obvious that they never actually rewrote from the first script, the first draft of the script, and they showed that that scene where it was, like, face punch and love spelled backwards is love. Because then you've got, like, the other kid, Eric, just being like, yeah, and remember the preview was, like, punch faces. And it was like, that's all they ever said about the movie was face punch and punch faces. That's it. That's all they said about it. Um, in the book, the name of the movie is Crosshairs. They completely changed it to make it weirder. <laughs> See, I liked that. I I actually almost picked that as one of my things that I liked. Because if you remember, my thing that I, like, the best part of, or what I considered the best part of Twilight was the baseball scene. Like, if you're going to lean in to the fucking campness, I'm here for it. Yeah. And I really felt like that's kind of what they were doing with those stupid movie titles. And I was... I wanted more of that. Like, if this is going to be a fantasy world where vampires and werewolves are real, like, 
let's just fucking go for it, right? Like, let's make this as weird and stupid and silly as possible. So... But they don't really do that. They don't. They don't. I'm also... I also want to talk about some red flags from the book. (laughs) Okay. I have one final red flag. Okay. Go. And it was the very last thing in the movie. Oh, see, I haven't watched it. What? I didn't get to the end. What, What happened? Edward says, marry me, Bella. And then it cuts to black. Um, yeah, that happens. That happens. <gasps> he, in the, she's in the book. 18. Well, see, but that's the thing. Is I that, know. So I like, know. did they also, talk, did they talk about the fact that it was a condition of changing her? Uh, no. Okay. That hasn't so happened. In the book, the reason that she goes over there and makes them all vote on whether or not she gets changed is that like. Edward is trying to talk her into um, getting married, and she for for some reason that they that Stephanie Myers never bothers to explain. Bella is hog wild on making herself an immortal so that she never has to leave Edward's side. But God forbid she marry him. Like there's there's no reason for her to be so against it in the book because like. Yeah, she's 18, but she's 18 talking about killing herself so that she can rise again and be together with him forever. Yeah. So, like, what? why is marrying him this person that you do already want to spend the rest of your life with and also the rest of your unnaturally long life with, like, the thing that's going to stop you from doing it? I just don't. I just don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. Yeah. The idea that she's, like, so... I will never marry you in her brain. I'm like, but for why? You want to kill yourself so you can stay with him forever. Like you're willingly giving up a a relationship with your dad and your mom and all of your friends from high school, which like, I don't talk to anybody I knew in high school anymore either, but like, I thought I would at 18. Anyway, it's just, it's so, it's so weird to me that this is where she's like. That is a weird decision. Yeah. Author. Like, I was not prepared for you to say that because that had never crossed my fucking mind. <laughs> it crossed my mind as I was reading it. I was like, not, and not because I'm like gung-ho pro-marriage, but just I was like, you're already committing to him. You've already committed to him. So no, why like is- the fact that Bella is not pro-marriage, like that's the part that I'm, I'm just weirded out by. Yeah, yes, yes. Sames. That's okay. the part that's weird. All right, please. Red flag me. Okay, so here's one. So um, this happens um, after she has discovered that Jacob is a werewolf. Um, she's like, he's come to her room and kind of told her, "You already know." She has the dream about you know this the conversation they had on on the push, and she figured she figures out that he's a werewolf. In the movie, for some reason, she doesn't actually put two and two together because she goes over there and she, like, sees Paul switch into a werewolf and then she's still like, run, Jacob, run, he's scared of you, like, blah, blah, blah. But, like, not fully understanding that that's actually what Jacob had been trying to tell her the whole time. In the book, she's very aware that he's a a werewolf. Like, that's the conclusion that she comes to after... Like, all of the evidence that he's given her and the conversation that they had in the beginning. So she goes over to his room, 
I go walks into his room and he's like asleep on his bed, but his bed is too small for him because in the book he's like six seven or something like that, like an outrageously large, uh, much larger than he is in the movie. So she says, seeing Jacob like that, innocent and vulnerable in sleep, had stolen all of my revulsion, dissolved all of my anger. I still couldn't turn a blind eye to what was happening, like Billy seemed to, but I couldn't condemn Jacob for it either. Love didn't work that way, I decided. Once you cared about a person, it was impossible to be logical about them anymore. So let me explain the revulsion line. Uh, She is of the impression, at this point in time, that they are the ones that are killing all of the hikers. Yes. Okay. Yeah. That, that... That Which was something that they talked about in the book. Yeah. They never resolve that. Uh, they do in the book. It's it's uh, it's it's um, uh, shit. What's Victoria? Victoria's killing them. I mean, they tell you that, but like, yeah. she doesn't look like a goddamn bear. No, but it's the it's the wolves that were chasing her that people were seeing. So they assumed okay. it was bears. Okay. Um, yeah, that yeah. did not. I, get, I, I mean, I kind of really... got that it was Victoria, but I was like, this is not a good But Yeah, but why are you thinking it's bears? Yeah, it's because they were seeing the wolves that were chasing Victoria after Victoria was killing people. Okay. So that's that's where the bear thing came in. But anyway, so um, <laughs> my problem with this is she thinks at this point in time that Jacob is a murderer as a werewolf, <laughs> but love means that you overlook somebody's murderous tendencies. I couldn't even get that out. That, like, he's a murderer, probably, but it's okay because she loves him. And you don't get to choose who you love. You just love them. And you kind of, like, work with what you're given because you love them is kind of what she's going through here. Oh, boy. Jacob's, this is a serious question, and I really don't mean it to, like, it's going to sound a lot more patronizing than I really probably should even say, but this is a serious question. Was Stephanie Myers married at the time she wrote these? Yeah, she had kids. Married with children. Um, she's yeah. Mormon, dude. She got married really young. You're, you're, you're not wrong. You're, I just had to check. I just needed to check. She went to Brigham Young and everything. She got married. Oh my married gosh, she to, real Mormon. She got married to her husband in 1994. They have three children. They married when she was 21 years old. This explains a lot. He retired to take care of their children after she became a successful author. Well, yeah, that's the dream. And one of the things that I need to tell you about is like when these movies were being made, because I was watching them and watching our, you know shit about them she gave so many interviews in which she told people yeah i never even took a creative writing class and i was like girlfriend you don't need to tell people that mm-hmm. it's like 1000 percent obvious that you do not know how to plot a story how to you know show versus tell mm-hmm. how to write believable characters and maintain internal consistency with those characters mm-hmm. like y- we we've been no sweetheart we've been no <laughs> like good god um yeah let me look for another one yeah so okay here's another 
Here's another one that's just making me like, okay. So this made me brood over what Jared had said about Jacob involving his girlfriend. I suppose that that was exactly what it looked like from the outside. As long as Jake and I knew how it really was, I shouldn't let those kinds of assumptions bother me. And maybe they wouldn't if I hadn't known that Jacob would have loved for things to be what they appeared. But his hand felt nice as it warmed mine and I didn't protest. So, like, just fucking using him all over the place. Yeah, yeah, that's a real thing. And then, and then, like, literally seven pages later, Edward saved me twice, I whispered. Uh, This is when Jacob finds out that she almost died the previous year because of a vampire bite. Mm. Um, Edward saved me twice, I whispered. He sucked the venom out, you know, like with a rattlesnake. I twitched as the pain lashed around the edges of the hole, but I wasn't the only one twitching. I could feel Jacob's whole body trembling next to mine. Even the car shook. Careful, Jake. Easy. Calm down. Yeah, he panted. Calm. Like, literally in that moment, getting so worked up about the thought of (laughs) Edward sucking poison out of her arm that he almost transforms from rage. Jesus. it's just too much. It's all of it is just too much. Yeah. 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 And then, and then, um, there's this whole, again, um, this thing, this, this one really bothered me. So she, they, the whole book is like comparing their story to Romeo and Juliet. Right. So then she says, what if he talking about Jacob Paris, was the only one she could confide in about the whole devastating thing with Romeo. The only person who really understood her and made her feel halfway human again. Except that at no point in this book is she able to talk to Jacob about Edward. Either because it makes her too sad or it makes Jacob too angry. So, like, there is no part of Jacob that is accepting or understanding of her relationship or her feelings about Edward. Because... Anytime that he thinks about them or they are brought up, he gets so mad that he almost transforms. Or he actually does transform. I feel like when you said the movies were better than the books, you were right. Yeah, I was. makes me real sad. Uh, Yeah, I know. I know. Because I think that the movies at least made some efforts in making watering down some of the things that happened in the books and making them at least a little more acceptable. Yeah. I think there's, there's some consistency. There's as at well. least, yeah, there's at least some consistency among the characters and yeah. that's going to get, I think that's going to get more obvious in the third book, but I haven't read that book in a very long time. So I'm kind of curious as to how some of the things that I know are coming are going to happen in the book. I've already gotten it out from the library. Do not worry. <laughs> but it's, I because I was like, I'm not buying these at all. No. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's really quite wild is all I'm going to say. Okay. I think it's time to wrap things up. So I'm going to ask you one question that maybe brings it around to hockey just a teeny tiny bit. Do you think this movie was better or worse than the stars season is going to be? Um, honestly, I'm so disconnected from how the stars are looking right now. <laughs> I'm going to go with uh, probably the star season is going to be um, better than this movie. I So here's a startling confession. 
I liked this better than the first one. And I don't think it's because it's a better movie. I think it's just because there was a lot less Edward. <laughs> I can't fucking stand that guy. <laughs> oh, God. Just... just I, I know. Just I know. wait. Just wait. Uh, Bella doing all that wild shit didn't make any sense to me. I, I just... I watched a really funny video about with, with this guy that did not understand that Edward was not actually visiting her as a spirit. That like, oh. that was just her memory of his voice talking to her to tell her to be careful. Like oh it was God. basically a delusion and he didn't get it. So he kept being like, why can't he just have a conversation with her? And it's like, are you watching this movie at all? <laughs> like, that's yeah. Not, that's not I mean, weird. I did get that. I, the first time I was like, wait, is this a vampire thing? But no, I got it. Yeah. I got it. <laughs> yeah. This guy very much did not. Um, I think, as a rule, this movie was probably worse than the Stars season would be as well. But I think this movie is a good metaphor for one of the Stars games, or maybe multiple, that they will play. Because it had flashes where you were like, oh, they're doing something. And then it didn't pan out. And then it was just 30 minutes too long. Yeah. And you're just like, why hasn't this fucking ended already? Literally, literally, I was just like, I was a half an hour in and just dying. I cannot wait till we get to movies four and five. I just can't. Oh, I I can't. I don't want it. You are going to hate them it's gonna be so great (laughs) no we might have to change the things that we talk about from like good things and bad things to like i don't know here's the thing that happened (laughs) here's the thing that happened that i didn't actively hate or here's the thing that happened that was internally consistent with things that came before (laughs) my god it's gonna be it's gonna be so great, dude. I can't it's gonna be so great. We might have oh. to start talking about the music and the cinematography instead. Which I don't Oh, rem- oh I actually have a note on that. Oh, okay. <laughs> Go for it. So remember when when uh Jacob fought Paul? Yeah. I was like, what the fuck is this dramatic wolf fight music? I know. Like this is like some Marvel Star Wars epic level shit and i just like and twilight is actually known for having pretty good soundtracks i mean like, I seriously like the first the first soundtrack in particular is just like chef's kiss so perfect yeah um, so but like, like the but to go from that to I like know. well i don't know if you know this but the production people changed between the first and the second it's a different a different producer as far as i know and a different um uh, director I did notice it was a different director because I remember us, we talked about the director in the first one. So I was curious. And this had such a different feel. Yeah, it, it did. It really did have such a different feel. It did. Which is, I think, also I preferred the feel of it. Yeah. The vibe. Um, I think that the, the first, first one. one was campier and therefore yeah. better in general. Yeah. I just, I wish they had leaned, if they had leaned into the camp, but also didn't, they didn't have nearly as much blue filter, which I appreciated. I know. That was, a, there was a lot of blue filter on that. 
the first one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah this one was a, a, a warmer looking movie, but I also think that that probably was because she was with werewolves most of the time. Yeah. And so therefore think... they weren't like trying to make it look cold and uninviting. Yep. Anyway, I did. I was like, the, if, and then at the fight at the end too, I was just kind of like, honestly, if this movie had just been more terrible CGI fighting scenes, I probably would have liked it. <laughs> yeah. Like I could have gotten on board with that. Yeah. Just more terrible CGI fighting, less longing. And I know that's not the direction any of this there is going. There was so much terrible CGI, by the way, in this one. I know, I love it. Which is crazy because it came out after Lord of the Rings. Like, it should have been way better. But, like, the part where Jacob jumps out of the window, it's like... Mm-hmm. I've seen better orcs than that. Like, what are we doing here? <laughs> so bad. Oh, and that's all we have for you today. <laughs> Woo! Okay, by the way, there are going to be different directors for each of the next movies. Cool. We love internal consistency. We love internal consistency. I will say that it's the same script author the whole way through. Okay, okay. We have Melissa Rosenberg to blame. <laughs> sorry, Melissa. I'm not sorry. You did. You know what you did. And you got paid for it. She did get paid for it. This was her second film after the movie Step Up. That really, really amazing film that where Channing Tatum and Jenna Dewan met and got fell in love and got married and then got divorced many years later. Yep. yep. Step Up was a fantastic film. So Step Up are- was a fantastic film. No one talks shit about Step Up. No, absolutely not. Sorry. Did not mean nobody should talk shit about Step Up ever. That movie no is one. great. That movie is great. Anyway, you can find us on social media. Yes, you can. I'm on Twitter at Classlicity. I am at Marinish. And our official Twitter is at Deep Heart Hockey, where we will post this podcast. And also, I will make sure to get that TikTok that Marin found that was very funny over there as well. And if you have a longer question, comment, or Opinion red flag that we missed... Yeah, a red flag that we missed. Uh, you can email us at deeparthockey at gmail.com. You can find our blog, although I don't know why you would, at deeparthockey.wordpress.com. And you should definitely go see Shang-Chi this weekend because it was super fun. I want to see it, but I've been exposed to COVID and I have to quarantine. Yeah, don't go to the theater if you have been exposed to COVID. If you haven't... Shang-Chi. Yeah. Super good. You're going to be listening to this tomorrow. Please keep your fingers crossed. I get my COVID test at three. <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye. Go team Charlie.